Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you are listening to this, you are currently listening to a brand new episode of Homo Sapiens. Your neighborhood LGBTQ plus friendly podcast and more, if I may say so. I've got a wonderful guest with me today. Is it Dr. James Greenwood? It, <laughs> it could be. No, it could be. You can call me Dr. So, why do I call you Dr. James Greenwood? That might be my Instagram handle. Okay, Dr. that's Jay. why. Yeah. I'm so excited to chat to you because I've been a long-time follower and admirer of your content beautiful vet content, beautiful pottery content we're going to get into. I suppose James is most well known for being a vet on many things on television, but also on Instagram. And it's very exciting to have you with us here today, James. How are you? Oh, well, thank you so much for, for inviting me. Yes, I'm, I'm great. It's, it's, it's brilliant to be here. I'm a huge fan. So I'm very honoured to be uh, I'm very honoured to be asked. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we aim to please. Um <laughs> So you've just hot-footed it up to Manchester. Walk me through you and Manchester. Do you go there a lot? So I am actually from Huddersfield originally. I'm a Yorkshire boy, uh, yes. born and bred. So, but the, the the show that I do currently is Morning Live, which is the BBC One morning show with Gethin Jones and, and various influencers. Um, and it's just moved from London to Manchester. But ironically, oh. I'm not actually for that. I'm not here for that. I'm here because there is a huge veterinary conference uh, for the next four days in Manchester City Centre. So I'm actually here on vet duties rather than tele duties. Interesting. So is it called like Vet X or something? <laughs> it's vet, called Vet Expo. It's, it's actually quite a long-winded uh, title. It's the British Small Animal Veterinary Association Congress. Okay, that needs to be workshopped. Yeah, you know, isn't it? BSABA. <sighs> vet Expo's better. I I I don't want to. I think maybe we should start something. See what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, I can bring my animal knowledge. Uh, (laughs) You can bring yours. Do you ever end up going out in Manchester? Do you ever go on the, you know, to Canal Street or wherever the cool new places to go in Manchester are? Only once, believe it or not. So even though growing up in Huddersfield, we more go to Leeds than Manchester, really. But Manchester is, there's something about it. It feels very kind of. It does just feel so cool in here. I do love mm. it. Um, yes. But we went, when's the last time we went out? We went out with, uh, we actually, we went to see Kim Marsh. She, Kim is one of the presenters on the show. Uh, yes. And she was in Fatal Attraction in her play. So we all came up and watched oh. her press night here, which was br- 
Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely incredible. Which yeah. one in Fatal Attraction was she? Oh, now, so she's the one that does the bunny boiling. <laughs> okay, so that's Glenn Close. So she right. is, yeah, so she was Glenn Close's role. Yeah. The fun role. You the want to play her. Role. Oh, she was great. Yeah. I mean, when you watch it, you're just like, yeah, she's got all the good lines. She's got all the good moves. You know, you can yes. really get into it. Because facial attraction is funny because it was Anne Archer. I think it was Anne Archer played the wife. And then obviously Michael Douglas played the man. And then if anyone hasn't watched this film, it is incredible. But then Glenn Close, when she was cast in that role, nobody wanted her because she was in fact like the nation's sweetheart at that point. Yeah, so that she was really playing against type. So she really surprised people. But now it's so synonymous with her. It's like Julia Roberts in My Best Friend's Wedding, isn't it? You know, gay hate crime. I haven't seen that film, but I remember okay. the chat. I remember the chat around that. <laughs> James is like, what is wrong okay. with the universe? Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, that, was my, that's, that's, I mean, that was my card. I was just throwing that out there. You know, here we are. <laughs> on a queer, queer podcast. I can talk about a film that I know about. Tell me. So you grew up in Yorkshire. Was that on a farm uh so we no so i I mean i I definitely didn't grow up on a farm but my grandparents were farmers my dad's side so my grandma she grew up on a farm and my granddad grew up on a farm um so we kind of had this like family link back to farming in in halifax um and i i think there's there's just something in that you know i think i was always fascinated by it and uh like we used to go back to the sort of family farm and all the obviously it's all kind of gone to ruins now so it's just sort of old pigsties and stuff like that but in the child's mind Mm. that sort of adventure and the imagination of thinking god this is where all these animals will be you know that that for me was just i mean it was just candy i just loved it um So it was always, you know, farming, there is something about farming that I've always had this real kind of urge and connection with and just land and sort of nature and being outdoors and things. Uh, and then that kind of progressed, I guess, onto, onto veterinary later on. But yeah, definitely, there's, I've always had a hankering. I used to sort of just cram animals into our garden. So we had, <laughs> uh, we had sort of ducks and hens. And at one point, oh. I was trying to convince my mum and dad that we should get some goats. Oh, it was just, you know, it was, it was ridiculous. It was such a strange yeah. sort of, uh, mix of eccentricity and and sort of in suburban Huddersfield, I guess it was quite crazy. <laughs> so it was yeah. full suburbia where you were, but just plus chickens. Yeah, I mean we yeah, pretty much goats. I I got my friend a goat for his birthday. No, I'm going to no. throw it out there. Bit unrewarding. Yeah, well, we've been close to getting goats since. It's kind of been this strange lifelong sort of passion of mine to get some goats really but yeah i mean you know it's a very very simple person to please he, i just uh, want livestock <laughs> just this is all we want <laughs> but no they're they're well they're not actually that easy to come by but they're very difficult to contain so where we are now right. would not be conducive to goat um management i don't feel i feel we would lose them quite quickly <laughs> but you know listen if it's your dream you must pursue your dream <laughs> but I need a bit more eye contact out of an animal. Do you know what I mean? Like, they sort of don't seem to really ever register you. Yeah, but do you know what's amazing? So here's a little... We're going straight in with the animal facts here. So sheep, okay, good. sheep and goats can actually look as far forwards as they can backwards. So they can look behind themselves without actually having to turn their head. Which, I mean, okay. you think of it like that, you know, that's that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, not what I, it's not what I look for in a friendship, though, you know. No, I, no. <laughs> You can never sort of stab them in the back, I guess, can you? <laughs> yeah, and I need that. I need that from a friend. But what is it about goats that you love? 
Oh, they're fun. Goats are somewhere between farm animals and dogs. I feel they're sort of there's mm-hmm. there's something really just sort of uh, that you know they're, they're they're inquisitive, they're playful. They you can train them. You know you can do all sorts of goats, but also but we would we would ideally like to have uh, milking goats so you could then actually sort of go into uh, sort of small time production making cheeses and, and things like that you know it's just I don't know, there's something sort right. of bucolic and very lovely about the idea of having goats and making making cheese and where you live now because mm. i know you live near bristol right mm. are you in the countryside or are you in so we're down in a place called clevedon which is sort of it's about 20 minutes south of bristol so between bristol and western Supermare almost mm-hmm. um I, I mean, it's not rolling countryside, but, you know, we, we're on, we, we call it the moors, so we're sort of out on the moors. So, oh, what, we, we're 20 minutes to city centre Bristol, but we are surrounded wow. by fields. So it's a nice, it's a really nice mix. I see it's you've got kind fields. Of yeah, yeah, so we're in, we're, we are all fields around us, it's sort of old cottages. Have you got neighbours? Yeah, so we're on a street, so on our left and right we've got human neighbours, and then opposite we have cows. So yeah, we have we have uh, mixed species neighbours, yeah, definitely in that order. Tell me a bit more about your childhood, because one thing that we did when we went on a tour of the UK uh, a few years ago now is we wanted to we went all over Britain and um, we didn't go to Northern Ireland actually. Um, we tried to, but they cancelled our plane. We were in the airport. Mm. Just to our Northern Ireland listeners, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> And to explore the expectation, the best places to be queer are metropolises. And how was it for you? Well, I, I mean, I didn't know any gay people growing up. So mm. I think that probably answers the question in some, to some degree. And I think there's something about your childhood, which is very, you just take it as red, don't you? Because you've, you've got, yes. you don't have the comparatives and you don't yet. And certainly back then, we didn't have the sort of ability to connect across you know, across sort of social media or internet or things like that. It was, it was your very sort of immediate community is, is what you think of as the world. So for Mm. me, that was the world. And I remember glimpses of hope with, um, sort of like my, so I, so at school, I was very arty as well as obviously doing a science that I had to do to come into, into vet school, but I was, I was also particularly creative and arty. And that for me became a real sanctuary. And actually the only, sort of out gay person that became almost a bit of a role model in some ways was my art teacher, um, mm. a guy called uh, Mr. Walker, if he's listening. Um, and he was definitely quite an icon. Check his out first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> definitely an icon for lots of people at the school, you know, mm. not necessarily, I don't think linking to gender or, or sexuality. I think he was just, he was just this kind of open character that I think people immediately felt that they could, open up to and I think that's something that I recognized then in terms of coming out and sexuality I think you Mm. when you do then get to that point in life whenever that might be and you are sort of open with the world I think it does invite an openness back Um, but certainly in my immediate childhood that was not the case so it was all very closed doors and I love Yorkshire I'm so proud of Yorkshire and I would Mm. I I would love to move back we you know we we sort of talk about it all the time um Mm. but I think there's that time in your life where you sort of think do I belong here because of your queerness I think so yeah yeah it was for sure yeah you know it was it was it was a very heteronormative kind of upbringing that I was that I was sort of in um yeah and I then definitely kind of broke free of that, but it took a long time. You know, it's, it's, it was it was a long time, and it was a long process. 
Yeah, and I do totally relate to that idea of like, you don't actually question the world order as a kid. Mm. And what I think is even stranger is that if someone knew that you were gay, they probably wouldn't say it. That's what's mm. so weird is they just assume that you're not because it's this assumption. But with your like with your um mum and dad, were they both around? Was that would would they what was the atmosphere re gayness in that house? I think I mean I love my mum and dad so much and, and we are we are a very, very close family. I think that doesn't I think it's okay to say it was I think it's okay to say it was a shock and I think it's okay to say that that coming out was a was a big moment for all of us. Um and of course, you know, I heard everything that we all, you know, that some of us hear when it is a shock to our parents. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, I definitely didn't grow up in a homophobic household. I def- mm. It was definitely not a house where I heard slurs or there was, you know, that, that sort of level of undercurrent. I think it was, it was more just silence. You no, know, it, it yeah. was just not acknowledged that that was almost like a possibility almost. You know, I think it was more that because, in that sort of sort of smallish sort of community that you that you grew up in because there wasn't anybody else really to kind of compare and obviously you know you sort of look to your older group of friends and there's nobody ahead of me that had sort of come out or gone through that process necessarily yeah so it it sort of all felt like I was uh quite sort of lonely and I, and I don't know whether that's something that I put on myself maybe you know perhaps you could say you know that you should have been more open or things like that. And there's loads of reflection that comes from it. But I think, uh, I think, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's okay to say that we, we all went through a process of me coming out and mm. I can remember my parents actively switching from thinking, fucking hell, what is going on to sort of almost like, you know, we, we would, we absolutely want to be a part of your life from here on. So we need to sort of get to that point. And I, and I and I don't you know I don't begrudge them that I think it's easy sometimes to sort of sit back and go you know oh you know and I think that the fact that we have all kind of you know come through that and stuff together I think is is testament to actually that there is a huge amount more love there than there is any concerns around you know society and things like that so you know it's mm. it's it's hard it's hard to sort of go back on that because I think we have all really moved on from it um, but I think it was more of a shock than loathing that this was who I was sort of thing yeah and it's also that thing maybe of like I feel like you want to judge people on not their first reaction but on their reaction the the moves they make after that I mean it was you know obviously it was was huge for me at the time um but you know that it was it was also huge for them and I recognize that the point is is that you can get through it if you're all on the same ground that you want to get through it together Mm. and I think that was that's what I cling on to now. Through all of that, there was still that strong desire for us all to stay together as a family. And how many of you were there, kids-wise? Uh, it's me oh. and my sister, an older okay. sister. Great having an older sister, isn't it? I know, I know. I love my sister so much, honestly. I mean, I love, you know, I love my mum and dad, but I love my my sister. I've got a really close. I've 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 developed a really close relationship with my sister. I mean, don't get me wrong; we can still we can still have our little moments. <laughs> Don't you love how, like, as soon as you're... Me and my sister around my mum, we immediately turn into 14-year-olds. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> 
So can you pass yeah. me that? No, you get it. No, you get it. No, I, no, you pass it. It's like, I'm fucking nearly 40. What is going on? Here? Why are we just... having this conversation? Yeah. It's, it's so like, can you get weird. some water? To... Oh, well, you're still sitting on that side of the table. Are you further to the tap? You could have chosen to sit on this side of the table, couldn't you? And you could have gone and got your own water. I didn't think we were doing that for girls and boys. No. <laughs> so, oh, my God. It's I'll so funny, it. isn't it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And you spoke a bit about being a chameleon when you were younger. I, I know it's a lot of queer kids are, you know, and we shapeshift and we code switch, as they say. And I know I was a massive chameleon. What was your version of that? Oh, my God. I think I chameleoned, to, if that's a word, chameleoned to a point where I think <laughs> I I probably no longer recognised myself in myself. Wow. I think I was such a happy child. Honestly, such a happy child, you know, with animals. My best friend lived down the road. She was into dance. We used to dance together. We used to, like Honestly, we just used to watch... Eurovision together, you know, Love all it. of those things. And it yeah. was just, it was joyful. Honestly, I had the best early, early childhood. And then, you know, adolescence arrives and suddenly there's this kind of pigeonholing that we all sort of experience. And like I said, you know, with the, with the sort of the immediate community that I was in, there wasn't a pigeonhole for me. So I was like, I'm not quite sure what happens now. Um, and mm. so you end up, I felt like I was sort of slightly just chopping bits of myself off to make myself try and look or feel more like one of these boxes I should be in. And that was for a long time, you know, probably, I mean, what, sort of from maybe 11 through to mid-20s, I was was shape-shifting and trying to to sort of fit into these, these different things. And I can very distinctly remember a moment where, I was like, this has got to stop. You've got, and I was in front of the mirror. I was in, it was later on. I was honestly at that kind of rock bottom moment. And Mm. I was just in sort of floods of tears on my own thinking, okay, enough now. Like, you know, you've got to get back to yourself. You've got to get back to that childhood, happy Mm. boy that was just, you know, so just just so free and I was just like just 
you need to, we need to get back to that. And it was this mm. weird kind of very kind of telling moment where I just thought I'm prepared to sacrifice everything to get there. Like mm. pe- friends will change, maybe even family will change. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can just remember feeling so strongly that the path I was on was was heading in one direction mm. and I actively wanted to get off that train and go in a completely different direction and that was get back to my own self. And what did the self you were looking at who you didn't like look like? Was it because you were talking about like chugging birds with a load of mates who you didn't really like football you know like I'm making this up but you know what I mean and and actually what you wanted to do was be watching Eurovision with your friend but you'd lost contact with her was it that kind of thing if if I'm totally honest I think it was just a numbness I don't think I was either of those things I think I was just drowning in sort of sort of I don't want to say self-pity because that makes it sound as though it was actually you know self-inflicted but I think it was this kind of weird feeling of like I mean basically I was I was just on a on a bit of a self-destructive path, if I'm honest. So mm. I wasn't really doing anything to bring happiness to myself. So I don't mm-hmm. think it was that I was sort of necessarily doing any one thing that was actively making myself unhappy, but I was just mm-hmm. not finding happiness in in anything else. And I and I think I was and of of course I was playing the straight charade and I was I was I mean I wasn't dating. I thought, I mean that that I'd, I'd managed to you know, kind of excuse that for long enough and you know, sort of get out of those uh, moments for sort of before they reached a certain point. But I can remember, but, you know, I just got fed up with people asking about, you know, have you got a girlfriend or have you got mm. this, have you got that? And I just come out with all these excuses and I just thought, oh God, you know, you just sort of, I just felt like I was getting more and more isolated on my own mm. and I needed to find people that I can feel like this and a few friends have sort of come out and I was sort of maybe getting slightly watching them develop and change and grow and sort of get to this point of being really happy I was like okay that that's that's this is now for me this I need to do that you know that's interesting isn't it seeing other friends do it and and I think as well you know like you know it's not oppression olympics type thing it's like Mm. not it's not like people get some people have had it worse than others but I, I do think there's a specificity around a particular queer experience which is if you are a gay man who you know this is you may not agree with what I'm saying but you know you kind of present as a straight man do you know what I mean like it's quite it's sort of adjacent to you to be able to get away with it it's a harder box to be in in some respects because very quickly you can get away with it and one of the things that I'm semi grateful for is that actually as soon as I walked into school everyone was like girl <laughs> and I was like, and so I wasn't allowed to play football. There wasn't. They, they were like, "Go away!" So I just went and hung out with the girls. And actually, I hated it at the time, but it sort of saved me quite a lot of work because I of didn't. All of that, yeah. I never got away with being straight. But I think if you, if it's easy for you to present as a straight man, which you were doing, it's a harder thing to break free from, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. I mean, in my head, I was the. Sort of, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like, how is this not obvious? People, come on, really? stay with me. But you're right. I think there's, you know, there's, you know, you, you. I mean, I'm just. I, I it sounds so cliche. I am just me. But I, I, this, mm. this is just me. Like, and and it's that weird thing that that people still now feel as though they can't. You know, I still get it now that 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 people will kind of say. 
you know, if I, if that sounds, I feel it's even hard to talk about now, but you know, you kind of go out and I'll get those things, you know, those words of like, you know, oh, I would have never guessed you're gay or, you know, oh, you you don't come across gay as though it's some sort of compliment. And I'm like, you've got no idea that that's, that's, or, you know, sometimes it'll be like, you know, oh, what a waste. I'm like, well, it's it's definitely a waste for me, my husband, you know, and I still will occasionally hear that. And I, and, I just, you know, I hate that. I hate that. But, but, you know, I just, you just. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's this language that gets used. And I used to love it when people, you know, very rarely out of politeness would say it to me. I'd be like, oh, fucking brilliant, you know. And now I'm like, I, we've all, we've all learned and grown so much in, in a great way. And there are, it's important to remember that there are people at the beginning of that journey and young kids we hear on this podcast who are not, there and it's important that there's people representing and people up and down the country who are representing every different section of lgbtqia plus and beyond you know mm-hmm. um and then how did you get into vet stuff i loved that you were operating on what we what did you pull out of a cat the other day oh <laughs> a, a cold bladder that? or something well, I pulled, a, I pulled a lighter out of a dog recently. That was quite cool. What? Yeah, oh, no. cigarette lighter. <laughs> cigarette lighter. <laughs> it was out of hours. So I got a phone call because uh, we still do our own in call. So I got a phone call saying, um, I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm pretty sure it normally starts like that, that the golden retriever might have just swallowed my cigarette lighter. I was oh, like, okay. So, of course, that that's, uh, yeah. So straight down to practice, sort of unzip, open them up find the lighter, see, pull it out. And then, and then, I mean, my first instinct then was to see if it worked. So I took it straight outside. <laughs> I see if I could light it. The nurse is like, God, that's... that's yeah, quite, this is still working. You could sell exactly. this. Almost give it back, you know. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so how did I get into veterinary? I mean, I think I always... I, I think I... I mean, I did always want to get into veterinary. It was, it was after farming. So I wanted, to, obviously, to start with, it was always... I'd love to be a farmer. And then mm. I think I think I recognised pretty early that farming is bloody hard work. And I'm probably, you know, slightly averse to putting myself through too much hardship. Uh, so, your, your job looks pretty hard. I'm I mean, I, you know, yeah, it is. But I think, you know, it's I think farming is farming is definitely a, a labour of love. Yeah. Um I, so yeah, so I, I just always wanted to get into veterinary, and it, it kind of it kind of followed me. And again, sort of talking about that weird sort of pigeonholing, it almost took over a little bit. That that became, in fact, I do sometimes wonder if that was almost a bit of a disguise as well to hide the queerness. Was the fact that that veterinary is such a, you know, people people are people are a bit sort of everyone has a bit of an opinion about veterinary. You know, like mm. if you say, "Oh, I want to become a vet," when I was pre-vet. You know, all of like people, oh, what a great, you know, lovely. Oh, I always, and even now I get people saying, oh, I always wanted to become a vet when I was a kid and blah, blah, blah. I think I always genuinely wanted to become a vet, but I, I think that was a, it's always been a very handy distraction to be able to say, you know, if the conversation is going one way, you can just drop the vet bomb and sort of say, oh, well, actually, you know, I'm a vet. And suddenly, oh, we're, the topic has moved on and we don't have to cover anything else. We just go straight into animals, which is great. So and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that now, actually. I'm going to say, let's, <laughs> let's get on to veterinary. Hang on, I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah. End of part one with James. The man is just a saint. I love him. Go and listen to part two. It's on the feed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.